Welcome to the Creekwood Church Podcast. We want you to know that Creekwood Church is open and you're invited to join us in person or online this weekend. More information about services and in-person safety precautions is available at creekwoodchurch.com. We hope this message inspires and encourages your faith. Enjoy. What's up, Creekwood? Hey, I'm so glad that you are joining us today. Man, I'm, I'm very excited um, because today I, I'm going to be sharing something that I'm personally walking through. Uh, and I believe that you and I, when we go together somewhere, we are really, really strong. And so today uh, I want you to grab your Bible, grab your notes. Let's get ready um, to, to grow together, to be challenged and to be changed. Um, my name's Matt. I'm the next gen pastor here at Creekwood. I'm 32 years old and this is my eighth year of marriage. So been married for eight years and me and my wife, we were actually high school sweethearts. So we've been together for a very long time, started dating when I was 16 years old. Um, and what I noticed about marriage and maybe, maybe you're married, maybe you experienced this too, is that things started to change um, when I got married especially when it came to spending time with our families around the holidays. So here's how it happened. When we were, when we were single, before we got married, I mean, we were still in each other's lives, but let's say Christmas was coming around. So she would invite me to Christmas with her family because yes, it was serious. Yes, we were definitely going to be like moving forward in our relationship. And so she was like, Hey, Here's the time that my family is going to be having Christmas. You're welcome to come over, exchange gifts with us. Um, but it's not, it's not, uh, it's not expected. Okay. You can come, but you don't have to, like, we're not expecting you to. And I would do the same thing with my family. Like, Hey, well, here's the time that my family is going to be doing it. You're invited over, but you don't have to show up. Thanksgiving was very similar, but then we got married. And if you were married, you know that the expectation all of a sudden changes because now it's not just me and her and we're dating and it's okay to be with your family. Now we're married. We are one. So wherever I go, she goes, wherever she goes, I go. And so now there's this new dynamic that was entered into our lives. And this thing that we have to figure out with our families, because now, Hey, here's the time that my family's doing Christmas. And her family was doing Christmas and hey, this is when you guys need to be over there. And I was expected to be there as well. But then this very weird thing happened because we realized that it was pretty much the same time that my family was going to be having Christmas. And so now we're trying to figure out how in the world do we make this happen? There were some very, very stressful conversations that we had to have with our families because there wasn't really a right or wrong choice. Like we, we need to be over there, but we need to be with your family too. And now they're both upset with us. And this really like introduced me to the ver for the very first time, this very real, real reality when it comes to life that there are problems to be solved. And I love problems to be solved because problems mean that there is a solution. There is a logical route that we need to go in life. There's problems to be solved, but there's also tensions to be managed. Now what's a tension? A tension is something that doesn't have a very, very real solution to it. There's not a right or wrong answer. It's not a or B it's both. You can't go wrong with either, but especially in the situation with our marriage, with our families, we were probably going to upset someone. So we had to figure out how to manage this tension in our life. 
And what I've realized is that this tension is not unfamiliar um, in our faith as well. When it comes to our faith, there is a very real tension that I have been struggling with, that I've been wrestling with, that I've been dealing with, that I think you've probably walked through and experienced the same thing. And I've noticed that it's, there's not just a problem to be solved when it comes to faith, that there is a tension to be managed. The problem is that in our culture and the world that we currently live in, they want us to view it as a problem. Hey, whatever is presented to you, that there is a solution. You need to pick aside. There is it's A or it's B. Which, which team are you playing for? And I don't believe that that's the way that God set us up to deal with these problems. Because in life, there are problems to be solved. There are tensions to be managed. And we see this in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 18. I love the message translation of this. And this is what the Bible says. It's best to stay in touch with both sides of an issue. For a person who fears God deals responsibly with all of reality, not just a piece of it. Not just a piece of it. So the Bible actually tells us that there is going to be a time, that there are going to be situations that as a Christ follower, as an ambassador of Christ, as someone who is a light to this dark world, there are going to be moments, there are going to be things in your life where you don't have a clear A or B decision to make, but there is something that you're going to have to deal with. It's a tension you're going to have to sit in the middle of and figure out how to properly handle this as a Christian. There's a principle that comes out of this. And this principle is simple, that time under tension brings increase. Time under tension brings increase. Now, my human nature doesn't like tension or stress or complications, however you want to describe it. But my human nature is to throw off that stress, throw off that tension, figure out A or B. If I upset someone, that's fine. If I'm not politically correct, that's fine. If I'm not absolutely walking the line, that's okay because I just want out of this. But here's what this principle is teaching me. Here's what God is showing me in the middle of this, that time under tension is what brings increase. In other words, this is where the magic happens. When we learn to deal with this responsibly, when we learn to manage this correctly, when we are walking out our faith and we're trying to be as close to Jesus as possible, that this is where growth happens. This is where spiritual maturity goes to another level because time under tension brings increase. I want you to think about it in a fitness perspective. Okay. Maybe you've pursued fitness. Maybe you've decided one time like, Hey, I'm going to get healthy. I'm going to get into shape. Maybe you were lifting weights, but we all understand how the gym works. We all understand how working out works. So you get in there and, and you're going to put your body under some tension, right? So you grab some weights and you begin to do some reps. You begin to do some sets. And I don't know about you, but for me, I've noticed that when I start to do some sets, all right, as I'm starting to put my body under some tension, the first few are pretty easy. Not too bad right? It's pretty light. But as I go and the more sets that I do, the more uncomfortable that it gets, the more that I notice this weight is getting a little bit heavier. All of a sudden my mind begins to race. Hey, maybe we should stop. Maybe we should quit. But you understand I need to keep going because this is how this works. That time under tension is what brings increase. That as I'm breaking down my muscles, they will actually come back stronger. They will come back bigger. They will come back better. The same is true in our spiritual walk. The same is true with our faith. 
that when it comes to these moments in our life, these situations that we're presented something and we're asked to choose a side that God says, hey, that may not be the case. There are problems to be solved, but there are tensions also to be managed. This time under tension is what brings increase. Today, I want to talk to you about a tension that I think is very relevant and one that I'm personally struggling with because of what is in front of me all the time in our world right now. I want to talk to you about justice versus mercy. The tension of justice versus mercy and how as a Christian, I see in the Bible that God is challenging me to walk this out. So let's talk about justice. Let's get on the same page. And I want you to know that God loves justice. And we love that God loves justice because the Bible tells us that God is fair. The Bible tells us that God loves rightness, that he loves righteousness. We understand that. So what is justice? Well, justice is simple. Justice is fairness. God loves fairness. It's reasonableness, especially in the way people are treated or decisions are made. So in our current world, the way that justice is handed out are through judges that are appointed through our courts, right? And so they hear cases, they hear arguments, all right? They, they presented the facts. And then according to the letter of the law, their job, their responsibility is to hand out justice fairly. Now, that doesn't mean that we always agree with how they do it, but their job is to correctly interpret the law and to justly hand out this sentence or, or their ruling, this fairness. Isaiah 61.8 says this, For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing, but in my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. So we know that God loves justice, that God is fair. And we love that about him because as kids, we grow up in a world where we're taught fairness is something that we should desire. It's something that's been put in us. We were created that way. We want fairness. I'm I'm an older brother. I've got a younger uh, brother and I have a younger sister. And I remember growing up, there were times when we did not always agree, right? Like, you know what I'm talking about. If you're a sibling or if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. We didn't always agree. Sometimes it was me and my brother. Sometimes it was me and my sister. Sometimes it was all three of us. And so because we couldn't come to a, a ruling, we couldn't figure out what was right, what was wrong. We were just arguing. We presented our case to the judge of our house, which happened to be my mother. Okay. <laughs> Shout out to all the moms out there. Um, so we would present it to mom. And mom would hear all of the facts. We would present our cases individually to her and she would hear them. And as the judge of our house, she would then hand out the ruling based on the facts that she was presented. Well, guess what? That that didn't always go my way. And because it didn't always go my way, I always felt like justice was not being served. And so my rebuttal was always, that's not fair. That's not fair. In fact, I think that was one of my favorite things to say as a kid. That's not fair. That was how I responded because fairness is something that we we desire. We want that. And because God is a God of justice, we love that about him. We love that about this world. I think Hollywood has done a really good job of capitalizing on our love of justice. We love it when the good guy wins. We love it when uh, the, the hero gets the girl or they fall in love. One of my favorite examples of this is, is 
a movie around the holidays. Um, I love Home Alone because in that movie, we've got these two guys, the bad guys, the wet bandits, and they're breaking into little Kevin's house. And in this movie, we have scene after scene after scene of the bad guys getting what they deserve. Justice is handed down to them by falling through floors, by getting their hands burned on knobs, by paint cans smashing them in the face. We love justice. We love it. And God loves justice. But what about mercy? Because God also loves mercy. So now we have this tension because he loves justice and he also loves mercy. Well, what is mercy? Mercy is simply people getting something that they don't deserve. Mercy is compassion. It's kindness or forgiveness shown especially to someone a person has power over. When I was in middle school, there was a game called Mercy. It was a terrible game. I could not stand the game, mainly because I was a very small middle schooler. I was super skinny. I didn't have very much upper body strength. Um, and in order to be successful at this game, you needed to be pretty strong. So if you've ever played the game Mercy, you know that you face your opponents and you are going to interlock both hands with them, right? So it looked like this, but you're doing it with both. And the point of the game was literally when you say go, was to try and bend their hand and their wrist back as far as you could until they couldn't take it anymore. And then they were supposed to say mercy and you were supposed to let them off. Like, I can't take this anymore, please. I know you can impose your will on me, but please stop. I never won this game. I was never good at it, ever. I would, I would literally go home, play with my little brother or sister just so I could feel like, oh man, I'm good at this game. But I really hated playing my friends in middle school that were just a little bit meaner than everybody else. Because not only would they dominate me, but they would get me to the point where I would call mercy, but they wouldn't let go right away. They would keep going and, and you could see it in their eyes. They just wanted you to know like, hey, I don't have to give you what you're asking for. I don't have to do what you're asking me to do. I can keep going. I can keep imposing my will on me. And man, they would destroy me every time. They would, they would do that. We love mercy. That was a ridiculous game. I don't know why I played it. We love mercy. We love, again, Hollywood, they, they capitalize on it. Robin Hood, he, he robs from the rich and he gives to the poor. Maybe it's a little more practical. Maybe you're someone who loves mercy so much that you love opportunities when, you, when they're presented to you to show mercy to others. You love serving people who are down on their luck. You love helping people get a meal that may not be able to provide a meal for themselves or buy gifts for their kids at Christmas time when they can't afford to buy gifts. You love it when you're able to supply a need to someone who's not able to supply that need for themselves because you are someone who loves, you value mercy so much. And we love mercy. Then we get to Jesus. And I love the example that Jesus sets for us in the Bible. Because not only was it a revolutionary way of looking at mercy and understanding mercy in that time that he wrote it, but it still stands today. It's still revolutionary. It's still really difficult to wrap our minds around this level of mercy. Luke chapter six, verse 27 says this, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, Love those who mistreat you. Man, wouldn't those be great rules like on social media? You know, that would be awesome, right? 
Verse 29, he says, if someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. And if someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks of you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. For do to others as you would have them do to you. So we've heard that, but then he gets really specific. And this is where it gets really, really, really next level. He says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And this is where I'm getting convicted. This is where the Holy Spirit is challenging me because this is the hardest part. And if you lend to those whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Jesus walked out, lived out, was living, breathing mercy. God loves mercy. We love that about God. So justice versus mercy. The world is going to demand that you choose one. And as a Christian, you're going to have to manage this tension. This has never been more real than in my life than right now in, in our present situation with our present world, with what's going on in our culture, with what we're seeing across the globe, with what we're seeing right now. I mean, in America, we've got all these different things happening. We've got all these different sides popping up. We've got, we've got people protesting. We've got racism at the very forefront of the news. We've got political parties demanding that you choose a side. And I've never seen the United States of America more divided than I have right now. And as a Christian, I'm sitting in the middle of it and I'm like, well, I can see how there's what they're saying over here and I, I can see what they're saying over here, but I feel like I need to choose a side. I feel like I need to do something and, and make a statement and, and I'm being challenged because Jesus is saying, well, hey, if you only love those who love you, well, that's what sinners do. If you only do good to those who do good to you, well, that's no different than, than those that don't follow me. You are called to be a representative of them, of, of me. There was no greater tension for me as a, as, a, as a middle schooler. I was in seventh grade on September the 11th, 2001. A day that will live in infamy in America when terrorists, extremists attacked our nation. And they hijacked planes and flew them into buildings. I was in computer literacy at Timberwood Middle School in Houston, Texas as a seventh grader. And my teacher turned on the TV and I watched planes fly into the World Trade Center. And it felt like minutes later, these towers collapsed and the realization that there was a massive loss of life and there was an, a massive attack. And I remember the headlines demanding justice. And I remember as a seventh grader demanding justice. I remember wanting justice. I remember wanting payback, revenge. I remember wanting these things. And I remember facing the reality that is that what God wants for me? How, how should I feel about this? How should I respond? How, how should I do this? Because God is a God of justice. And that's true. What about mercy? 
Because without God's mercy, I deserve hell. Because this is not easy to navigate. But here's the truth that I keep coming back to. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? It's the question I was asking. It's the question maybe you're asking. It's the question in the middle of this tension. What does the Lord require of me? He requires us to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. In life, there's problems to be solved and tensions to be managed. What do we do? How do we handle that? Well, the Bible has called us to do both in the case of justice and mercy. To love justice, to obey the law, to act justly, but to also love mercy, to celebrate it. But my human nature, our human nature, man, we love justice for everyone else, but we love mercy for ourselves. Man, I love it when, when they get caught. I loved it when my brother and sister got caught. I loved it when I witnessed justice handed out to someone else, especially when it was a wrong done to me. And I loved it when mercy was extended my way. We love justice for everyone else, but we also love mercy for ourselves. Well, the Bible, the Bible flips it. Following Jesus, if you're going to be a Christ follower, he flips it. He says, I want you to want justice for yourself. And I want you to love mercy for everyone else. What? That's, that's, that's crazy. That's radical, Matt. Like, what, what are you talking about? I, who lives like this? That's not something. Did I sign up for this? Like, what, I, I'm not sure. Listen, you got to remember that this has been shown to us. We've seen this lived out. When Jesus walked this earth, this is what he did. This is how he lived. This is how, what he showed us. Well, where did he show us that? Jesus showed us this on the cross. The cross was such a beautiful picture. The only place in the world where you will see the fullness of justice and mercy on display. Where you will see Jesus, a man sinless, a man who did nothing wrong, take the fullness of the weight of sin, the mistakes that you and I made, paid for that in full on the cross. What did Jesus do? He said, I want that justice done to me so that I can extend that mercy to the people that I love. The only way that we are going to be able to manage the tension of justice versus mercy in our lives is to walk in the power of the cross for the rest of our lives. Listen, understanding what Jesus did, reminding ourselves what Jesus did, experiencing the fullness of the cross and the power of the cross in our lives, this is the only way we're gonna be able to properly manage this tension in our lives. Because someone had to pay for our sins. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For God made him who had no sin sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. The reality is either, either he paid for our sin or we did. And Jesus took justice and he extended mercy. And that's why as a Christ follower, someone who experiences the gospel, the good news, that's why we have joy. That's why we have hope. That's why we have life. Because this was a different way of experiencing
experiencing and managing this tension. And this is, this is the challenge. This is the principle that Jesus is showing me. This is the way that we are going to effectively change the world. It's not by picking a side. It's not by making a post on social media. It's not by thinking that these are our saviors of the world. It's by looking to the only one who correctly managed this tension. The fullness of justice and mercy lived out on this world. This is where the magic happens. When we manage this tension, this is where hope is restored. This is where brokenness is put back together. This is where life is experienced. This is where love is fully realized. Because time over tension brings increase. So my question for you is simple. Have you understood this tension for yourself yet? Maybe you're a person that struggles because justice means so much to you. You're a protector. You're someone who is always running at the defense of others. You're trying to make sure that if something is done wrong, especially to someone that you love, you want justice for them and rightly so. But as a Christian, I, I want you to understand that there is, there is a faith that you have to have that God is not done with our world. You have to have faith that these things that were done to your, the ones that you love or even yourself, that the justice that you did not see carried out in this world, that one day that will be repaid. But it's going to take faith. The Bible says that all the wrong, all the things that didn't get caught will one day be paid in full. Romans 12, 19 is our promise. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge and I will repay, says the Lord. I want to remind you that God is a promise maker, but he is also a promise keeper. And right now in my own life, I'm struggling with this tension because I desperately want justice. I desperately want revenge sometimes. I desperately want to see the wrongs righted, but it takes some major faith sitting in the middle of this tension where it might be uncomfortable. It might be frustrating. It might be really, really difficult. And we'll have a tendency to want to throw it off. And we'll have a tendency to pick a side, but Jesus says, stay there, stay there. Stop worrying about what everyone else is doing. Act justly, love mercy, because every act of mercy shown here is an opportunity to show the fullness of God's character to the world around us. Time under tension brings increase. This is where the magic happens. It's not easy. It's a tension you've got to manage. But I'm telling you, this is, I was thinking about my when I came to Christ, when I, what drew me to him, every time I've led a teenager to the Lord, you know, what's interesting. The conversation is not about justice. It's not about what we deserve. No one is telling us that, well, in order to be saved, you're going to have to pay for this. It said that the conversation is always about mercy because mercy what draws us in. The Bible says it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. 
You and I are called to be people who handle this tension correctly, to act justly, to love mercy, to fight against our human nature, to want justice for everyone else and expect mercy for ourselves. The only way we're going to be able to do that is to walk in the realization and the power of the cross. Will you pray with me today? God, I thank you so much for justice. I thank you for mercy. God, I, I know this is a struggle for me, and I, I'm, a, I'm very aware this is a struggle for anybody that follows you. We're probably naturally on one side of the fence. We're either people who really strongly believe in justice or we're people who really strongly believe in mercy, but you have called us to manage this tension, to be both. So God, I pray that as we are living our lives, as we're walking with you, as we're trying to continue to grow in you, God, that you will challenge us to and remind us, God, that we are to act justly and love mercy. And God, when we fall short, that's where you step in. When we struggle to have the strength to do one or the other, God, that's where you step in. God, remind us of what you did, of who you are. Give us the faith, the strength, and the courage to live this out. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Creekwood Church Podcast. Are you new to Creekwood? If so, we're glad you're here. For more information about our church and how to take your next step, please visit the Connect page on our Creekwood Church app.